Now, you might not believe this, but the career path of almost every super successful individual included having a job just like the one you have now. You're either going to or coming from work, so we might as well talk about it today on Your Way to Work. And now, your host, Ricardo Witte. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that talks not to the manager, not to the business owner, but to you, the worker on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Witted, and I'm here today with Rick Witted. How you doing, Rick? Doing good, Christian. It's good to be back in studio. We had a little hiatus uh, for Labor Day last week, so it's good to be back. We did, but it is good to be back. So today, we're going to be talking about talent in the workplace, but from a different angle than most might expect. We're going to talk about when can talent actually hurt you in the workplace? And just as a little bit of background information, I think most of the listeners have an inkling or an understanding of what talent is in layman's terms, but I'm just really quickly going to give the dictionary definition for talent. And so Webster's Dictionary calls talent a natural aptitude or skill. And so leading off with that, I'm just going to ask you really quickly, Rick, what role does talent play in the workplace? Good question, Kristen, and a really good topic. So thanks for choosing this one. Let me just keep it simple. Someone's got to have some skill or some type of gifting in order for there to be any level of success. You cannot be successful at something unless either you have a very natural gifting, a natural ability to do it, or you have been taught, you have a skill that you've learned so that you can do the role. So talent's crucial in the workplace. And, you know, companies all over the world, small, big, large, uh, mammoth, minute, it doesn't matter. Countries are companies of every size across the workplace. They pay well for talent. They're always looking for talent. And the lifeblood of any workplace is based to a large degree on talent, not talent alone, but to a very large degree on talent. So, I mean, it's crucial in the workplace if you're going to be have success in that workplace. So when you were talking about talent there, you said that it could be either something you're naturally good at or something that you've learned. I, I think that's what I'm getting from that. Yeah, yeah. So have you ever met someone and, you know, what may take you forever to get done? They come in and knock it out. And it's just a gifting. It's a talent that they don't have to work really hard to make happen. That's a natural gifting. That's an ability, something that's that we're born with, something innate inside of us. And you can see that in people in every workplace. Um, now, at the same time, someone else could have that very same appearance when you look at them on the surface, but in actuality, it's not something that they were naturally gifted at. As a matter of fact, they worked their butt off to get to where they are. They may have instituted, uh, Gladwell calls it the 10,000 hours effect, right? And as a matter of fact, our our last show with uh, Steve and Ben, our video producers, 
for the interactive uh, component of Outgrow Your Space. Those guys, uh, Steve talked about, you know, what people look at when he is videoing and recording and what took him two seconds, they're amazed. But what they don't realize is that when he started, it took him two weeks to do that same thing. So they may look the same, but in reality, talent can come from a skill that you have developed, worked hard at, you've learned, or a very natural gifting that's inside of you. They can look the same, but but there's some very big differences long term if you're going to have success in the workplace. So, Rick, hearing that, how do employers view employee talent? Oh, it's everything. It's the lifeblood of the organization, as I said a little earlier. But here's... Here's where it can become a challenge for employers. What I tend to see in my 20 plus years of working for multiple folks, and to be honest, you know, being my own boss uh, and having employees for a few years, employers tend to often skew towards technical skills. They're looking for the ready made talent particularly when you talk about opportunities of promotions or expanded levels of authority or control, bigger jobs, uh, those types of things, employers often look for that ready-made talent. And they tend to lean heavy on hard skills uh, and not as much on soft skills. So what do I mean by that? Hard skills. I've had the experience or I've had the pedigree, I've had the um, exposure to certain things. And, you know, let's face it, sometimes you're going to have to learn something from the bottom up. You're you're not going to get the experience or the exposure (laughs) until you learn it. And I think a big miss for, um, for business owners often is we do not take the time while our employers employees are at lower level positions to give them exposure, to give them extra, to have them do a little bit more. Now, I'll be honest, not all employees want to do more. And honestly, that's what separates the cream from the rest. Those people that are willing to go above and beyond, they're willing to do more. Employers, though, have not figured out well how to, when they see that, to begin giving, you know, individuals additional exposure and responsibility because that can be their future talent pool if done right. So, and I think employees too often just lean to the technical skill. So if you have it, you're there. If you don't have it, they're going to find someone who has it and put them there. And that's a big, big miss uh, for for an employer in the workplace. So it sounds like what you're saying, Rick, is that employers tend to look for hard skills instead of looking at employees with, say, the soft talent that could lead them to create those hard skills. That's right. That's right. So hard skills, pedigree, background, experience versus soft skills, abilities, giftings, uh, you know, great with relationships, has the ability to gain respect from others, has the ability to foster collaboration and partnership. Those are very soft skills that often are innate skills. They can be learned, but the only way you can learn those if you don't have it 
is by watching others that are really, really good at it. But some people are really good at that. Now, I'll tell you, there's some people at higher levels that are horrible. They're just <laughs> they're horrible at that. They're not good at it. But there are people that are good at it. And so I think you're right. I think employers tend to look at hard skills versus soft talents. I would also say it this way. Employers are much more impressed by IQ versus EQ, you know, the, the, the intellect versus the emotional uh, stability or maturity of a person. Said another way, employers are very impressed by professional technical skills versus professional maturity. Uh, and yet they want professional maturity from anybody who is working their way up in their workplace. So what, if I can just kind of draw an analogy there, they're looking for the person who is a certified data analyst, but not the person with the innate ability to see patterns in data or numbers. Right, right. That's exactly right. They're looking for the experienced engineer versus the person, the guy or, or girl with just the natural math talent right there in their workplace because they're not looking for it, right? So they're impressed by IQ versus EQ. That, that ended up, we, we didn't start the show to talk about it, but, but honestly, that is a talent trap for employers. They often get trapped in that, in, that, uh, in that way of seeing things. All right, so getting into the actual talent trap piece of that, and we'll probably touch on what you just said uh, before the end of the show there when we're wrapping up. But how do we as employees become trapped by talent? Because we, we just said that employers are looking for the hard skills, right? The, the, you to be the engineer and you to be the data analyst with all of your credentials and qualifications in line. How can we get trapped by our own soft talents that led to hard skills or can lead to hard skills? How do we get trapped by that? Yeah, so the question, right, is what is the talent trap for us? So let me give a big disclosure. Everything that you've heard to this point in, in the conversation here is absolutely no excuse not to work your butt off and learn and continue to improve yourself over and over again. The technical skills are very, very, very important. And, and there's a reason that Employers tend to look at those, that business owners, large and small, tend to look at those. They're important. You need them to maintain ongoing success. So here's the trap for employees. I heard a, 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 a colleague of mine say it this way. When you, when you think about work, there are really two dynamics of it. There's the art and the science. The art is how you deliver it, and that has a lot to do with the raw talent, the science is the mechanism behind it that makes the results consistent, right? So the art is my natural gifting, my natural ability to deliver, to execute, uh, or to see the patterns. The science has to do with the things that I do methodically to make sure that when I hit the target, I hit a bullseye every time. The trap for employees is this. They rely heavily on raw talent. And you can see it in people, people that are successful, by the way, people that are decent, people that are highly talented, but, but they can't deliver results well or consistently. They rely on raw talent. They are naturally smart. They, are, they do have the intellect. They do have the ability. Many of them even have the gap. They have the, the gift to talk, you know, and to talk it out because they do know it. 
But but you can't get the consistent results out of those individuals. It's because their focus is all on the art and there's no science behind it. I love that that analogy. And so that's the that's the talent trap that I see often. Listen, I have done it. I'd be the biggest liar in the USA to tell you that I haven't fallen into that trap. That's why I can speak it so well. I've seen so many employees just rely heavily. They go in, there's no preparation. And they just start doing, right? It's like saying, I'm going to race. No warm-up, no stretching, no practicing. They just get to the race. And when the gun goes off, then they start. And those who win the race, they have been practicing. They have been stretching. They are loose. They are strong. Their muscles have been strengthened through that preparation. Uh, And when the race starts... That's not the beginning of the work for them. That is the culmination of the work for them. And those that rely on raw talent, there is absolutely no preparation. There's no long-term planning. There's no, let me check it once. Let me check it twice. Let me check it three times. Let me make sure I can do it. Let me make sure it looks right, sounds right. Let me make sure it stays. When I build it, it's going to stay. They show up and they rely on their raw talent to get it done when it's due. So it sounds like what you're saying is the talent trap, in essence, is just a reliance on your ability to do it. You don't quite prepare. You don't have any materials beforehand. You just sort of show up to the workplace and you expect yourself to be going ahead and be able to fix the boiler or to be able to write up that report instantly with no real preparation, no background. No, you're just relying on your ability to do because, you know, you can do rather than still making the preparations necessary to safeguard yourself or the operation or whatever you're doing. That's right. That's right. And you can get by on that. You can you can absolutely get by on that for some time. I haven't seen anybody who can get by on that for a very sustained period of time. After a while, that catches up with you. It catches up with you because there's some things that you've got to be able to avoid that the talent trap, the relying on raw talent, is going to naturally make you stumble into. So really quickly, we're nearing the end of the show here. I just want to sort of leave our listeners with something they can do. So how can we avoid the talent trap? Yeah, I'm going to call that P times two and T times two. Two two P's and two T's. Here you go. The, the first P, preparation. Second P, process. The first T, time management. And the second T, a teachable spirit. So people who rely on raw talent, they don't take the time to prepare. They usually just show up and start swinging. And that whole 10,000 hours rule to become a master at something, you have to spend 10,000 hours doing it, perfecting it, improving on it. I talk about this a lot in the first uh, two or three steps of outgrowing your space, right? You, you've got to be willing to start at the bottom. You've got to be willing to um, to master the basics and then think entrepreneurial. To, to make those things happen, you have got to prepare. And the person who prepares lasts the longest. I watched a cross-country race today, and uh, I saw a a young man uh, do an amazing job. This guy's a sophomore, (laughs) and, I mean, he's racing with seniors, and he has a lot of raw talent. Um, But, you know, I know this, this kid, and I know his father. He spends a lot of time 
you know, preparing for this, you know, and his father spends a lot of time and attention and focus working with his, his boy to make that happen. So you can't just show up at the race having been to any practices and think you're going to win. And, and while this, 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 uh, this kid came in second place in a cross country run, he maintained in the, in the first two or three uh, of the entire heat throughout the entire race. That takes an incredible amount of preparation. So one is preparation. If you're going to avoid the talent trap, second is process. You've got to have a process. You can't just show up and start doing things. You've got to have a process to what you do. That means you have to understand how part A works, part B works, C and D. I'll give you an example of that. So if I need to get a job done, what I have to do is set certain amounts of time aside to execute on the different components. Let's say I've got to meet with clients. So I can't just pick up the phone and call a client and think I'm going to get an appointment. Or I can't just show up at the client's office and think that they have time for me and they're going to give me precedence. What I have to do is be prepared. I've got to find out when is the right time to call them. That means I may have to call those clients in the morning. And if I don't get a big hit, then the next day I got to try those clients in the afternoon. And then the next day I got to try them in the evening to find out when they are, I'm going to reach them best. That's a process. And through preparation, making those calls, I figure out what my process is. So that's just a, an example. So it's, it's preparation and process. The last two are really simple, time management and teachable. It, you've got to manage your calendar. You've got to set time aside to do things. You've got to leave the water cooler in the lunchroom and all the talk that's going on there. You can't get caught up in that. You've got to set a schedule. You've got to create a to-do list and check those things off. And over time, you'll figure out how to prioritize that to-do list. But if you don't make a list and say, here are the four things I'm going to do today, and you got to the end of the day and none of those were done, either they're not the right thing so you don't know what behaviors to do, or you're not focused and you, you, you don't have time management. And then, of course, for, fourth, teachable spirit. A good manager is going to see those things. They're going to identify those things. And the only way you can improve is through coaching. So if you're not willing to accept coaching, it's like you're cutting your own head off. So listeners, if I was just going to sum that up for you, it'd be one, be prepared, you know, your talent, your natural ability to do something is no substitute for being prepared and having your materials with you. Number two is process. And that really just goes back to what we always talk about, Rick, mastering the basics. Yep. Step two about growing your space. Exactly. And then number three, time management. Simply watch your calendar. Know when you're going to have to have that comprehensive report written so you can be prepared or when you're going to have to present to the team so you're not scrambling the night beforehand to put it all together. That's right. Beware of an idle mind and idle time. And finally, just be teachable. Be willing to learn. Is there anything else you would add to that, Rick? Yeah, we're going to have uh, Matt Keller, author of The Key to Everything, and he talks about this concept of teachability. I, I can't wait for that interview in a couple of weeks. I think we're going to all learn a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you summed it up really well, Christian, and uh, I, I think that's a wrap for us. Well, listeners, this has been episode 34 of season two of On Your Way to Work. 
As always, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted, tweet us at rawitted, or contact us at rawitted.com. And don't forget, from now through December, you can pre-order Outgrow Your Space at Work by Rick Witted for a discount of about 25%. And be sure to be on the lookout for the official release of our online career assessment in mid-December. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and have a blessed week.